All right, so um, again, 30-second uh, reset. We're looking at some of the events of, li- of the life of Jesus, um, not necessarily specifically about the things that he taught, but how he taught, how he spoke, uh, how he interacted with, with people. And um, one, of the, one of the principles that I've tried to draw out, excuse me, four of the principles that I've tried to draw out up to this point when we think about how Jesus talked to people are, are these. First of all, Jesus was always prepared to teach. He always made time in his, in his schedule to talk to people uh, and, um, and had, the, had those opportunities and took them uh, and, and used them. Different approaches are needed for different people and in different situations. So even the Son of God, um, who had the, the ability and the authority to approach anybody uh, with, a, with any way he wanted, uh, he, he didn't choose just one path. He used where people were, uh, the environments, etc., uh, in order to talk to people in different situations. Being rooted in God's word, so the foundation of what Jesus said, taught, was always in God's word. Even maybe when he didn't speak God's word or quote from the Old Testament, he, his, his thoughts and his, his words were rooted in it. And, and also, Jesus' thoughts and words when talking to people rooted in love and compassion for them. And for us, you know, we were once lost in sin, and are still in sin in some cases, so we need to be mindful of, uh, of that. So, this morning, we're going to talk about uh, Jesus and the crowds. Now, shortly after you know, Jesus' ministry begins, so last time we talked about how Jesus talked to Satan. And shortly after that, in, in, Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, uh, after that story is over, it says, And Jesus returned to Galilee, and the power of the Spirit and news about him began to spread through all the surrounding district. So there's a, there's a, um, a word, a, a thought, a, a news of Jesus is spreading. And because of that, the crowds start to gather around him. Matthew 15 Mark 5, Luke 5, we're going to talk about a few in in Luke 4 and in John 6 today. They go where he is, they're curious, they're hopeful, they're astonished, uh, they're perplexed, uh, they listen, and they don't understand uh, 100% of the time. So we're going to talk about uh, about these things. Here's what I want to cover today. Number one, what what, what do these stories teach us about the crowds? So we're going to look at a few of them, uh, Luke 4 and John 6. So what do these stories tell us about the crowds? Uh, talk about how Jesus talked to the crowds and then how we can model what Jesus did when talking to crowds <coughs> ourselves. Got it? All right. And again, uh, please, if you've got uh, questions, uh, comments, David's got a mic. Uh, let's, let's make sure we get, uh, get, him, get him to you so you can, uh, you can make, a, uh, make a comment or two. John, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 4. Now for those in the, uh, maybe in the parking lot or on the uh, online who can't see, I'm on the slide that talks about crowd stories, Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. First of all, how do we know from verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, how do we know Jesus was popular? Well, I've already mentioned verse 14, where news about him was surrounding the area. What about in verse uh, maybe 16 and 17 can we tell about his popularity? Got a thought on that. When Jesus goes to the synagogue, what happens? 
praised by all. He's praised by all, and he's, and he's handed the scroll. Okay? You just hand the scroll to anybody uh, in, the, in the synagogue? No. I mean, imagine, imagine if guests were to come into this assembly. I'm not sure who's, who's down to preach this morning, but if, if we saw just a guest come in the building, and, and if it was David, say, hey, I know you just got here. Do you mind preaching for us? Would we do that with just anybody? Probably not. There may be a handful of people in the whole world uh, that, we may, uh, that we may do that. I'm not even sure we would give them that, uh, that burden of doing it impromptu. But there are times uh, where you know, perhaps somebody's coming into town and we want them to, to, to guest speak or, or, or speak to us from the word of God. But it's rare. We don't just give that opportunity to anybody. Jesus goes into the synagogue, not a trained rabbi, not a member of the Sanhedrin, and they hand him the scroll. That testifies to me a little bit to his, to his popularity, along with what Mitch said about them praising, praising him and the things that he's, that he's taught. He teaches, he reads from the book of Isaiah, and uh, he claims scriptural grounds for being Israel's Messiah is basically the summary uh, here. His life and teaching are defined by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's focused on those who are downtrodden and the needy, and he's, his ministry is pr- making proclamations about, the concerning, uh, about and around the concerning the kingdom. All right, so he's, he's using those points in Isaiah uh, and applying them to, to at least to himself when he speaks here. Verse 22, you get a warm and somewhat confused response from the crowd. All of them were speaking well of him, wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And so they're, they're, they're warming to him, but they're also slightly confused by him as a crowd. Now, Jesus, how does Jesus respond to this popularity? So Jesus is, is known to be popular. He is, he's, he's teaching and his popularity is maintained in verse 22. How does Jesus respond? Verses 23 you know, through 27. Okay, all right, so Proverbs 27, and don't, don't turn there, but I want to read it. Proverbs 27, verse 21 says, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and each is tested by the praise accorded to him. I really like this proverb a lot, especially when this, in this uh, class today. If you, want to test furnace, if you want to test gold, want to see what it's made of, flush out its impurities, you want to see what it's really made of, you put it in a fire. You want to see what a man truly is? You want to see what a woman truly is? You praise them and see how they react. That's Proverbs 27 and verse 21. And like was mentioned, how does he react? He, he doesn't turn that praise on himself and try to magnify himself and make himself much more popular by doing more miracles. Um, he could have proven himself by doing more miracles. He could have just walked out. You know, just let his brand get promoted just by walking out and not saying anything. Um, but he uses it in a way to talk about the Messiah and what is going to come for the Messiah, mainly punishment and, and, and the cross. Okay? Any, any other comments on Luke chapter 4? Again, just trying to cover a couple of, uh, a couple of examples so we can see what we can learn from the crowds. Any, any comments on this before we jump to, uh, 
John chapter 6. All right, John chapter 6. If you'll turn there with me. And um, we're going to the next slide for those in the parking lot, John 6. We're certainly not going to read uh, the, the whole of this chapter. I want to highlight a few things about this, uh, about this chapter. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to start with the story of him feeding the 5,000, which in, um, in uh, verse, I guess it starts in uh, verse uh, 7, 8, 9, when the disciples come and there's a problem with people not having enough to eat. And, and, and Jesus solves that problem and everyone loves him because there's free food. Everyone loves free food. Um, it's, a, it's a virtue, it's a universal virtue that you like free food. Um, if you have the ability to pass up free food in any context, um, I would consider your willpower there a bit of a curse. Um, and you need, to, you, need to, you need to work on that. So Jesus uh, helps them with free food, and what do they do? What, what is their response to Jesus um, providing this free food? Verse, uh, I guess verse 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there. They want to exalt him. That's right. They want to exalt him and make him king, right? Jesus feeds the crowd. They want to make him king. And, and, and Jesus uh, recognizes this and, and, and stamps it out in, in a couple of ways. So he sends his disciples away so they can't get to his, his group, his, his crew, and get, gets them away, dismisses the crowd, goes and prays at night. And, and in order to escape the crowd, you know, it's, it's a large crowd, so you can't just walk past them. Somebody's going to see you. So what does he do? He, walk, he bypasses them by walking on the water. He goes over them uh, by walking through the, sea, through the Sea of Galilee, starting in verse, uh, verse 15. Picks up with his, where his uh, disciples are on the boat, performs a miracle, and, and reaches the other side. Uh, to Capernaum uh, the next day. So think about um, the popularity, um, the popularity points that Jesus could have scored in, in two places here. So verse 25, John 6, verse 25, the people recognize that, that something's happened. Somehow Jesus got around them, and they're looking for him. And they find him. So look at verse 24. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got in the small boats and they came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Okay? So remember, Jesus fed the 5,000, speaking to them, teaching to them. They're, wanted, they're praising him, wanting to make him king. They, he escapes. They come and they find him still recognizing this free food that they've had, they say, where, did, where have you been? Well, when did you get here? How does Jesus handle this popularity opportunity? Verse uh, 26 and, or, or so. Someone summarize what, he's, what he talks about there. Right, you've come to me not because of what I've done or I've said, because you're, you're hungry. Think about what he could have said. You know, when did you get here? Well, there were no boats, boats available, and my main crew was gone, so I, I used my God-given superpowers to walk across the Sea of Galilee, and I met them, and this is proof again that you love me and that I'm powerful just like you expect me to be. Um, 
Could have said that. The crowd never finds out that Jesus walked on water to leave them. Golden opportunity to show him, to tell him, but he doesn't. Uh, Jesus um, uses this opportunity to spotlight their motives and to turn their attention to God and not to himself. Okay? John chapter 6 and verse 30. And the same thing. There's an opportunity for him to, to gain some popularity. They said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? There is an opportunity uh, to, to, to perform here. And they've seen miracles. <laughs> Yesterday, they, they, they saw miracles. And they're just looking here and asking for well, what sign is he going to perform? Um, and he doesn't. He doesn't pounce on that opportunity uh, to perform. And, and instead, he talks to them and directs them again towards their actions and their, uh, their uh, relationship with God through him. I want to look at a couple of, uh, a couple of highlights uh, for the rest of the chapter for, for the sake of time. Verse 41, therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. Verse 52, then the Jew, Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 66, as a result, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him uh, anymore. There's a, there's a turning point right around this period in Jesus' life where his popularity starts to wane. The enemies start to, start to build and gain desire uh, to bring him down, and the crucifixion is, is coming. That's what we see here in, uh, in John chapter 6. Now, Next slide for those in the parking lot. I want to talk about a little bit about what we learned about what the crowd is. Characteristics of the crowd. First of all, who's in the crowd? It's the, the people of the land. It's middle America. It's, it's the families, the outcasts. It's, it's a diverse group. Now, in, in Jesus' day, the, the, the group is... is is largely homogeneous in that it's, it's, it's a Jewish culture in a Jewish land. But there's going to be some Gentiles. Um, there are going to be some Romans. But largely, it is, it is, it's the people. It's the farmers, the peasants, uh, the, the working class with some religious leaders, uh, some Gentiles, some outcasts uh, scattered about. Crowds <clears throat> are a catalyst for controversy. Crowds are a catalyst for controversy. Um, first of all, what is a, what is a catalyst? So a, a catalyst is a, a compound or, a, you know, in the chemicals world, it's a compound that, that, that helps and aids in a chemical reaction with itself not being a part of the chemical reaction. All right, so, so think, about, think about this building. Right, this building is a catalyst. It facilitates our assembling, our study together, our devotion to God together, our worship together, and we can leave here changed, more devoted to God, but the building is not affected. The building is still a building. Does that make sense? So the building is a catalyst. So the crowd, what I'm saying, what I'm claiming is the, cra the crowd is a catalyst for, for controversy. And they don't change. Crowds don't change. Um, when he heals people on the Sabbath, the crowds accuse him of breaking the Jewish law. When he eats with some people who are in the crowd, 
The crowd recognizes him as being um, uh, uh, someone who assembles with gluttons and drunkards and sinners. When he feeds them, they want to make him king. Um, crowds won't change. They will not rise up and convert as a whole, no matter what you do. You can't influence and change the crowd. Um, change in the way that you want to change. The change in the way that, that is desired to change. Yeah, you can change them in order to, make, uh, to look for a Messiah and make them king, but that's not what you truly want in, in lives and changed hearts and minds. Um, crowds do not breed uh, clarity. You don't create clarity and, and, uh, and, and precision and, and complete understanding in a crowd. And the last point, crowds don't change. You don't convert a crowd. It's one of the highlights that I want to make for, uh, from, from, these two, from these two passages. Even the Son of God, who has the ability to create and perform miracles, cannot get past these. All right? Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Hopefully it does, because it's going to be important in 15, 20 minutes or so. Any, other, any comments about crowds as a whole? What they are, characteristics of them, uh, before we continue? Yes, sir. No, you're, you're, you're spot on, David. We can, we can certainly, you see it in these crowds. They focused on the, on the physical. Uh, yeah, maybe some folks were understanding, but the, the best way to continue to focus on the physical, stay in the crowd. Stay within the collective because they're going to keep you there. The crowd is not going to change. The crowd, and again, I'm using these terms kind of broadly, they're always going to focus on the physical, um, what, what's going on now. And even focus on Jesus, but in a physical way. Let's make him king, overthrow the Roman government, uh, etc. Good point. Anyone else? Okay. Second, uh, second kind of course during the, during the class today. How does Jesus talk to this crowd? So we've defined who they are, characteristics of, uh, of what they uh, believe, hold to, uh, represent. And how does Jesus... Uh, speak to them. First of all, um, just uh, one quote about how Jesus viewed them. We know how Jesus viewed the crowd uh, in, in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. And when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them, began to teach them many things. So Jesus, um, Jesus recognized and saw the crowd 
as, as a collective as someone eating sheep uh, without a shepherd. Did Jesus know the crowd was made up of individuals? Certainly he did. Uh, but thinking about right now, how does he see everyone together? How does he see a mass of people in his day as people needing a shepherd? Because they have none. I want to use uh, John 6 <clears throat> to highlight a few things <clears throat> that the story in John 6 about how Jesus uh, talked to the crowd. Let's look at uh, verse, uh, i tell you what, let's look at verse 25 again. John 6, uh, verse 25. When he found him, excuse me, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man, excuse me, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. <clears throat> Jesus even in a, an opportunity to make things about a physical context, about the world around them, food, turns their attention away from that. You come to me, like Daniel said, you come to me because of the things that you uh, want uh, to eat. I'm telling you to look and turn your attention uh, to God. Making conversations about spiritual things. Anybody can find a conversation about food or the Titans or COVID-19 anywhere they want. The crowd can talk about that anywhere. Jesus, in looking to the crowds, wants to talk about uh, spiritual things <clears throat> and also relying on, relying on Scripture, the things that he's, he's seen and he's heard. He, he references verse uh, down through verse 30 uh, through verse, uh, say, 33. He references a, a, an example of a story related to them in the Old Testament uh, from Moses and, and a man that was provided uh, to them. Verse 28. You know, Therefore they say to him, what shall we do so that we may, so that we may the work, may, may the works, may work the works of God. Excuse me. And Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? Now what work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, Jesus gave them bread out of excuse me, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you bread out of heaven, it is my Father who has given you the true bread out of heaven. Being prepared to answer open-ended questions. What signs or miracles will you perform? Um, and directing them back to, uh, directing them back to himself, and back to himself through through the Father and how he has come through the Father. Um, rarely do we see Jesus addressing the crowd with short, direct answers that leave no room for self-reflection. Do these five things, and you'll be saved. You don't hear that from Jesus talking to the crowd. Um, and then the last point down at the bottom, being, being patient, pointing and focusing on an, ex, on an eternal outcome. Some depart um, and some come back. Uh, learning is best done when the answers are 
uh, the, the answers are discovered, not provided. Jesus uh, oftentimes does not provide an answer. He, he provides a, a conversation in which the crowd can discover an answer. And on that, uh, on that point, let's talk a little bit about uh, parables. So for those in the, uh, in the uh, car or online, I'm moving to the slide. It's titled, How Jesus Talked to the Crowd, uh, Parable Highlights. Turn quickly to uh, Mark chapter 3, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verse 33 and 34. Mark 4, 33 and 34. Sort of a, a, a summary. <clears throat> you know, we often see Jesus you know, talking to the crowds in parables, so I felt like it's worth it's worth spending a few minutes uh, seeing how he addressed them here. Mark four, verse thirty-three and thirty-four, to me is a pretty good summary. With many such parables, he was speaking to the speaking the word to them, so far as they were able to hear it, and did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. <laughs> A couple of comments on, on, on parables. So parables are uh, a, a visual story, the lost sheep, the lost coin, or a visual image, the, the mustard seed in uh, Mark chapter 4 here. They're a, a, a visual story or, or a visual you know, image, and they involve character development. So there's either a, 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 a protagonist who has some kind of character development along the way in the story in whom we're supposed to see ourselves. Or there's a, 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 an object through which we are to compare ourselves as, as a receiver. There's character development in the story that we, have to, that we have to do by looking at a protagonist in a story or looking at an object that we're supposed to compare ourselves to. We see ourselves in them, and, and from, this, from this image or from this story... We find ways for us to be compared, and then we use that to grow. Grow in becoming more forgiving, grow in becoming more devoted to God, grow in ways that we use our abilities and our talents, whatever the case, whatever the purpose or the, or the, or the, or the, the, the direction of the story. Parables are short. Um, they, they are... Designed to you know have a strong link between something we know and something we don't know. You know, often we hear it's an earthly story with a with a heavenly meaning. Um, they they contain uh, truths about God's kingdom, and I want to linger on this fourth point here. Parables do not have a point. Okay, we tell you what I mean. Uh, there's they have a purpose, but they don't have a point. Okay, um, Jesus. It, Jesus could have made a point if he wanted to make a point. Um, what I'm suggesting is trying to reduce each parable to a point, like this is the point of this parable, is to, is to me to, to, to deconstruct what Jesus is trying to do. Connect us to something that's going on in our lives. And our lives are not simple points. They are complicated. Um, they are complicated. Let me give you a couple of examples, hopefully to help you, kind of give you, bring you on my side here a little bit. So the Good Samaritan, what was, the, what was the question asked of Jesus before he told the story of the Good Samaritan? Who remembers? Who's my neighbor? 
who's my neighbor, right? So do these things. I love God. I love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Could have answered that directly. Be nice and be generous to other people. We could have been a decent answer to that question. Uh, but instead, he tells a story that has multiple layers on it about taking care to, to have time outside of your schedule. Things like being empathetic for people in other conditions than your own. Being committed to following up the folks who are here taking care of. Racism. Other type of bias. All of those things are addressed in the story of the Good Samaritan. And why? Because that's what life is like. That's what life is like. Especially when talking to the crowd. There's not one layer there. There's multiple layers um, in life because life is complicated. Mark chapter 4, this parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. There isn't just one point, uh, is my contention. The, mustard, the, the, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It is small, but not insignificant. But you have to trust God even when, look, when things look impossible. And the kingdom of God may start, strong, start small, but it's going to grow. And individual faith grows like that over time and has fruit that will result from it. On and on and on and on. The mustard seed parable doesn't have a point. It's a story that we're supposed to connect ourselves to and develop our own character against. With me? I kind of understand what I'm trying to say. Parables don't have a point. They are they're more than a, than a point. There, there's layers that Jesus is trying to get to them. Um, and think about it this way. Um, Jesus had less control of the message when he used a parable. He's got less control. Um, who shares the control now? Rather than Jesus saying point one, point two, point three... Um, he has full control over what they say. Let me be clear. This, 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 period. Uh, but telling a story, he has less control. He shares control with the listener and with the way that God lives and works within that listener uh, in their life. Um, because of that, parables create a response. It's a, a dialogue. They, they, they stir the pot. Um, it turns the attention of the crowds to where it should be on themselves and how they as an individual need to see their lives in the parable. Which talent man am I? Which man in the story of the Good Samaritan am I? Am I the lost sheep? Uh, am I the lost coin? Am I the older brother in the prodigal son story? Um, Jesus isn't going to answer any of that for him. He's going to tell him a story and give them control of it a bit. So this is, in, this is a, a summary to me about how Jesus, uh, how Jesus talks to crowds. So let's go back um, and look uh, one more time. Feels compassion for them. Focuses on the spiritual things. And relying on scripture and scriptural stories. Being prepared for open-ended questions. You know, crowds don't provide a... A simple kind of math question and say, look, if you could just help us answer this one math question, we'll all be good. No, it's way more complicated, way more layers than that. 
and, and he's patient, uh, and he's patient with them, especially uh, when using visual stories uh, and, and visual images. All right, I'm going to talk for a while there. I'm going to stop for a second. Anybody else got any comments about how Jesus uh, talked to these crowds, uh, to these groups of people, before we go to how we applied ourselves? Anybody? All right. That's fine. That's fine. <clears throat> yes. But you're you're fishing for points here. <laughs> yeah. I, you know when you say the parables do not have a point, I think it could be argued that the parable of the Good Samaritan, for instance, to use one of your examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, does have a point, and the, and the point was to get them to see beyond their racial bias mm-hmm. and, and show them in a very clever way that their neighbor included those that they might look down on, those that they may even consider their enemies, and mm-hmm. you know to love their neighbor as themselves, to treat others the way they would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I, I would just say that I think sure. the argument could be made that that was a point, even though I think I understand what you're talking about is many of the parables could have more than one point, I suppose, that it's making. Sure, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right because you, you, you do have a, uh, a, a, a just, just to use my own word, a point uh, of trying to get after racial bias, but that, that's not, the, I guess my, my point <laughs> is, um, is that there's, there, there, there's layers here. There, the, the, the story of, of the gospel and the kingdom of heaven cannot be reduced to one question, one answer, one question, one answer, especially in the context of talking to a crowd. That's my point. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Okay. So what? So what for, for us? <clears throat> how do we model, uh, in the last few minutes here, how do we model Jesus when talking to the crowds. First of all, why is this lesson important for us? To me, in, in today's world, we have access to crowds that never existed before. We have more access to the crowd. Again, not masses of people wandering through Galilee, but we have, ma- we have access to crowds with the same characteristics as the crowds we talked about uh, before. Um, Seth Godin is a guy who's no- well known in the, in the marketing world. He said this, marketing used to be about advertising. Today, marketing is about engaging the tribe and delivering products and services with stories that spread. I think this is the point he's trying to make. In the the past, not even that far back in the past, messages to the crowds, messages to the masses were controlled and sent through television, through a select few people and a select few companies. That's how you reached uh, the masses. Now, nearly anyone has access access to a platform to create a message that can reach, impact, and potentially change uh, people. Multiple tribes can form when we connect you know, the, the tribe. And if you go on to read this, this article where I got this quote from, that the, the, um, the tribe is a collection of people who are connected to each other, connected to a leader, and connected to an idea. And that happens a lot today. Thousands and millions of different crowds uh, can form. And thus we can have access to... All sorts of crowds. 
couple of um, couple of points that I'd like to draw out, and then let's um, uh, we can discuss for the last few minutes. Every word that Jesus said to a crowd was on purpose. There were no um, unnecessary discussions, unnecessary words generated for the crowd to hear. And when it done so, the goal was not to perform for the crowd. You know, we have a lot of crowds. You know, work, school, uh, the kid networks that we're in, uh, sports, Bible class, social media. Um, first, um, when we're in a crowd and when we're talking to the crowd, the goal is not to perform. And I think that was uh, pretty clear in, uh, in Luke 4 and in John 6 that Jesus did not take the opportunity in front of a crowd to perform. Um, in my mind, this, this takes different, this takes different uh, forms today. Uh, I'll offer uh, a, an example. Uh, there, there's a new, relatively new um, word uh, in, in our English, in our American culture today, a new phrase called virtue signaling. Do you all know what virtue, virtue signaling means? But, but basically, um, posting something or talking about something or yelling it on the street to raise awareness that you believe something and that's it. You know, uh, this is bad. Racism is bad. Um, inequality is bad. Uh, abortion is bad. And, 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 and I know it's bad because I posted it and I put a couple of exclamation points uh, next to that on uh, Facebook. Um, the injustices of the world, inequality... Uh, is bad, but you don't do anything about it. It's the modern day uh, James 2 verse 16. Be warm and be filled. Right? Man, I hope those poor people get themselves taken care of. That's virtue signaling. And performing. Look at me. Look at how much I care about you people because of what I've said. Um, when we perform, who is the focus? Who's the focus? If Jesus were to just perform miracle after miracle after miracle in the, in the, uh, in the crowds, who's the, who's the focus? He is. he is. We are the focus if we're performing. Jesus turns the attention and the focus um, to God. Uh, secondly, seek the approval of God and not the crowd. Kind of the same, kind of the same mentality. Um, I do not seek the approval of men, but of, of, of God. Right? Paul said that in Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 1. Popularity in the crowd, the popularity that we seek, will end up being our downfall. Why? Because the crowd doesn't change. The crowd doesn't change. Getting in with them, you won't change them. They'll eat you. No matter the case. No matter who you are. Jesus recognized that, so he avoided it. Take the, take the spiritual perspective, take the, taking the spiritual road. Again, we talked about this a little bit in, in John chapter 6, not looking to be fed. Uh, it should be the idea, but looking for the, the bread of life in, in, in God. And, um, and then a, a few, let me make a few comments also on... Uh, on social media, because this is this is the place where we have the, probably some of the most access to access to crowds. We have the opportunity to say anything we want, anytime, to anybody. Um, now, when I say that, um, 
could be, that, that's a neutral statement. You may have already interpreted that as negative or positive, but just look at it alone. It's neutral. It had the ability to say anything to anybody whenever you want. That's neutral. Um, consider that when we talk to crowds. What do you say? Uh, what do we say when we're in large groups, even if those groups are uh, digital? Um, speaking openly to the crowd <clears throat> should cause us Pause. You know, Proverbs 10, verse 19. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Love that. The more you talk, the more higher probability you are to mess up. Especially with crowds. Why? Because crowds don't change. Crowds are not going to change. Um, they're still going to be who they are. Earthly focused on bread, focused on each other, not convertible. As a group, as a group. Jesus never converted a mass, right? No matter the words that he said or the things that he did. Um, remember that social media is real life. It's real. Even if we're typing on something or on my phone, singing out there, it's, it's real life. Um, People can see it. This is the example I used. I talk, talked about this in the young people's uh, study last year. Uh, but when Caleb was really little, uh, two or three years old, teaching him to play hide and seek, and one of the ways he would hide, he'd go and hide, he'd go like this. Up against the wall or the bed or something. Why did he do that? Can't see me, so what? I can't see him. Right? He thought that was real. Hiding... I'm hiding right here. That's not real. Hiding behind this. This is real. People can really see it. Um, now, for the sake of time, there's like go multiple ways with that. But recognize the crowd, the crowd can hear you. And, and it's, it's here forever. Forever. Okay? And then the last thing, I've beat this one pretty hard. But the crowd doesn't change. Crowd doesn't change. We're not going to be able to convert the crowd no matter how much we talk to them. How do you, uh, how, how does God uh, approach people and Jesus approach people? Individuals, right? Individual lives uh, are, are changed. Yeah, they may be in the crowd, but individuals are the ones uh, who, who are, are to be uh, talked to and addressed and, and, and transformed. Yes, sir. Uh, I was just, just to add to that, sometimes, like you're saying, on social media and things, you can join a crowd that seems like it has a name that would have similar beliefs as you, but the crowd is still has the same nature. And so right. be careful in your approach in that. Don't be fooled by whatever label the crowd is saying they're under. Right. No, it's spot on, Mitch. Great point. Uh, great point. Looking to... Looking to the crowd to, to virtue signal or look, I'm a good person because I'm a member of this group. Or I'm posting in this group. This is how I'm talking to people and this is how I'm showing my light or, or whatever. Um, incomplete. Incomplete. So by, to, to summarize, talking to crowds is, is, a, is a necessity, in our, in our, somewhat of a necessity in our world. Uh, we, we, we see and we have a lot of opportunity to it. Be mindful when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. 
The things that we say are real. It's real. Um, and recognize that, that the crowd uh, doesn't change. But individuals can change. Uh, individuals can change. Uh, talking to folks uh, with... Um, uh, even with a, 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 a complex train of thought, like in the parables, um, is, is necessary. Not in order to, to change the crowd, no matter how much we talk to them, um, but by reaching into there and pulling out an individual uh, and being mindful of them. All right, 30 seconds. Anyone else got any other like last remaining comments? All right. Thank you for your time this morning.